When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. My name is David and today I'm joined by Aaron as we get ready for match day five of UCL Fantasy. It feels like quite a while since we last talked about the Champions League. We of course have come through another international break. Well, the last international break of 2023, if you haven't already heard, is completely over. We've got a full run of games for the Premier League at the very least up until March. There's not too long left in the Champions League group stages, but uh, it's uh, getting to the business end of those group stages and there's plenty of fantasy points left still to earn. So, Aaron, how are you getting on going into match day five? It feels like a while since we've been talking about the Champions League. It's good to be back, isn't it? Oh, it definitely is. I think, I mean, halfway through match day four, I was ready to quit. Um, and I'll, we'll go more into that. Um, but thankfully, my team pulled through. And yeah, it's, Champions League is one of them where the boy who cried wolf, all these injuries that aren't injuries, and then the ones that are, you just don't know what to believe. Uh, rotation is just a nightmare. So, and that's what it's literally going to be today, uh, this match day, match day six, which is always the worst one. Yeah, that's right. We've got lots of uh, games coming up where we kind of, yeah, it's a bit tricky to predict lineups. So it is going to be perhaps a bit prickly trying to pick some teams and getting through the next couple of match days. But of course, uh, the best way, of course, for you guys out there to prepare for that is to check out the Fantasy Football Scout content that we've got for that. Of course, if you're watching this video or you're listening to this podcast, you've already done half of your job correct. The other half, of course, is that we always encourage people to go and check out the Fantasy Football Community UCL podcast as well, um, where you can uh, join Ed, uh, Louis, and of course, uh, Dan from uh, UCL Fantasy Pod, um, which is not to be confused with Fantasy UCL Pod, um, <laughs> which are two completely different fantasy pods uh, to do with the Champions League uh, that have lots of crossovers in terms of personnel, almost in an Avengers style uh, thing there. And uh, yeah, if you can follow uh, our version of that at Fantasy UCL Pod on Twitter, and of course, you can also find them on uh, Spotify and Apple as well. And then, of course, UCL Fantasy Pod. Aaron, would you like to tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, um, so obviously me and Dan, um, we preview everything. We go we go really in-depth. Um, I think that's where we kind of differentiate ourselves. We really go match by match and go into who's performing well, injuries, stuff like that. So if you're looking for something that's going to kill an hour and or someone that – or just to listen about teams that you've probably never – really hear on other uh, podcasts and stuff who only kind of focus on the favourites, um, then we're the ones to, to listen to. Absolutely. If this uh, particular video and podcast is the thin end of the wedge, then you guys are the ones putting all the meat on the bones. And uh, that's what we like to see. A nice sliding scale of people going through their UCL Fantasy Pod journey. Now, speaking of journeys, uh, you, of course, are on a UCL Fantasy journey of your own, uh, which ended in 76 points in Match Day 4. But as you said... Wow, what an experience for you halfway through. <laughs> yes, so I ended up 
uh, on the app, it shows you kind of what your split per day is. And so I only ended the Tuesday with 17 points and Haaland got that himself. One of my transfers was to take out Haaland as we, uh, as the last video was called. And I literally got punished for not seeing the early lineup news um, where it was kind of leaked on X. And so I, I was busy doing my job, completely missed it, got home, saw that Haaland had scored. And that was a surprise to me. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that was, I got punished for that really. Um, so even though Vinicius Jr. came in and scored, um, and also Xavi Simmons, my other transfer, came in and scored, it still wasn't enough for Haaland's absolute dynamite performance, which everyone else seemed to have in captain. Um, so, yeah, I got punished for that. But And that's when I was ready to quit because <laughs> I was like, my game, my, my, my run is over. But um, thankfully, Kane came up with the goods. And, um, yeah, that is an inter-clean sheet as well, which I had to do in defence. So yeah, it wasn't a bad uh, wasn't a bad result in the end, and that is with a minus four as well. So yeah, not bad. Yeah, not bad. Where where does that take you in terms of your overall rank, and how satisfied are you with how you've done over the first four match days? Um, so I am just under one fifty k. Um, and in terms of where I'd like to be, obviously was on the end of a the wrong side of a few 50-50s um, where I had the right idea, like a Leipzig defender, but you choose the wrong fullback and stuff like that. Um, not having Haaland was massive. So I think the only thing that's in my favour is that I've still got the limitless um, and the injury news is starting to creep up now in the press conferences. So even though I've submitted my team to you earlier, there's been news since these teams, so a bit of dilemma. And it, I do, the struggle with this game is that it's always going to be a. I could say what, what, like based on all the information we have at this moment in time, but then come an hour, to, like before the kickoff, it goes crazy, like the Holland kickoff news and stuff like that. So, um, at the moment, I'm. I don't think I'm going to play limitless. I think I'm more leaning towards limitless in match day six when there's going to be all the rotation. Um, and I can just try and get the better of that when everyone else is struggling. Um, but if we end up, we'll see at the time, match day six. If not, it'll be in the round of 16. But I, the fact that I've still got that chip is in my favour. I think everyone else above me at this point, majority of people have played both chips. It's very much like having a, a game in hand and yeah, using it in a game when other people aren't using it can actually probably make it more powerful than if you just followed suit and done it what everyone else did. That We often see that with free hits in FPL, for example. So um, yeah, it's very much uh, worth having that um, yeah in your back pocket. Um, we'll have a look. It seems at... to be a cursed chip though. It <laughs> oh, seems really? to be, sorry to interrupt. It no, seems no, to be no, a no. cursed chip. I don't think it's worked well for anybody this year. So um if it works well for me, then that's going to be a massive swing. If not, I'm in the same boat as everyone else and I'll still be around this rank. Mm. So, Yeah. I know what you mean about cursed chips. There's a lot of people out there who would rather we didn't have to play them in FPL because they can backfire. But hey, we'll see. Fingers crossed. 
Hopefully you're the one person who doesn't curse um, and you've held on to it uh, quite nicely. We, we will have a look at your different teams that you've got in a minute. And as you mentioned, things can change. We've got two different teams of Aaron's today, one that involves taking a hit, one that doesn't involve taking a hit. Um, and well, he may end up actually having to discuss a third team based on the, the recent injury news. But we'll have a look at the, the fixtures themselves first and kind of pick out some key uh, talking points for those games and key uh, matches to invest in or not to invest in, for example, with a bit of a focus on the uh, what's left of the season ticker as well. So let's start off with Tuesday's games from match day five. We've got Lazio versus Celtic. We've got Shakhtar Donetsk against Antwerp. Feyenoord against Atletico Madrid. Uh, we've got Milan uh, hosting Dortmund and then Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, host Newcastle perhaps with revenge on their minds but Newcastle of course have just gone and smashed Chelsea and we've got Man City against Leipzig Young Boys against Red Star Belgrade and Barcelona against Porto so what stands out the most here for you outside of of course the fairy tale trip to uh, Parc de Prince? Um In terms of a fantasy perspective um, Man City Leipzig it's going to be a really interesting match just because a lot of people would probably have a lot of assets from that game but they're the two teams that we don't want playing each other but both already qualified as well so rotation is going to be an absolute nightmare to predict for this one but um, obviously Man City will want to secure top spot and this is their best chance to do it uh, Lazio against Celtic Celtic are not performing as well away from home as they are obviously in Scotland so and Lazio the opposite way around where they perform really well at home um, obviously there is always that home advantage in Champions League but more so for these two teams. So Lazio could have some good differential players. Um, but then Feyenoord, Atletico Madrid, they played each other earlier. Atletico Madrid won 3-2. Um, and both are in good form. So that's going to be really good, um, not only from a fantasy perspective, from from a neutral watching, if you don't fancy watching any of the, um, the English teams, really. So that would be a, that's a good game to watch as a neutral Um but yeah, I think everyone's going to be uh, keeping an eye on the group of death because that's all <laughs> to play for. So Milan, Dortmund, Milan going through a lot of injury uh, concerns themselves. Uh, Dortmund top of the group currently. Paris Saint-Germain um, against an injury like ravaged Newcastle as well with revenge on their minds, like you said. And, uh, that's going to be a really interesting match. Hmm. Any, any fantasy uh, investment in the group of death still or is it? Because, I mean, we're now at the stage where, we talked about this right at the start of the group stages, didn't we, where you get to this point where the better teams have already qualified and then the teams where it's still all up for grabs have a lot to play for and, in theory, in theory, have more chance of getting attacking returns on the talismanic players, should we say. But then actually calling these matches is so hard, so it feels like a bit of a catch-22 because, honestly, at this stage, any, any of those four teams could win the group, right? Um, so calling it like it's going to take some serious guts to to really bet on that group with your fantasy players even if that's a group to target because it's all to play for it seems like a catch-22 to me how are you sort of managing your your view of some of these groups i think as well for a lot of people who don't have a chip uh which i think is the majority of people uh you need to try and identify players who will have to play their strongest 11 in match day six so i think that's where the group of death uh is going to work in your favor where, uh, barring any injuries, Paris Saint-Germain will have to play their strongest 11 in both games because they play um, Dortmund in the last match day. Um, and if they beat Newcastle and Dortmund, who are probably favourites to beat Milan, they then play each other in Germany, where mm. that's not where you want to play Dortmund. And so that's 
that's going to be massive in terms of strongest 11. And then Newcastle, Milan, if if kind of the odds on and all the bookies and all that kind of predicted scores, if all that goes as expected, Milan, Newcastle will be playing for third place um, in St. James's Park. So that's going to be massive as well. Um, I think that works in your favour. So Mbappe, I think, is a really, really good transfer, especially people like myself have Vinicius Jr. Um, uh, or you're worried about the rotation risk of Haaland or Kane now that both of them have qualified. I think you should be looking to get Mbappe into your team um, because he's playing two um, really good fixtures, in my opinion. Um, but then, yeah, you really want to be focusing on people who are going to play match day six um, where there's either not a lot of depth or they've got a lot to play for. So Group E and Group F are probably the ones to target because Man City groups is, is tied up and Group H, depending on the result of Barcelona Porto, that group will be tied up as well. Okay. And in terms of captaincy for, for these groups, I guess it's still part of the same overarching question as before, I suppose, in terms of to what extent do we allow the kind of, yeah, the nature of these groups to impact the captaincy as well, bearing in mind that with the Tuesday games, as we always say, you have a bit more of an opportunity to try something a bit a bit different and then maybe fall back on a Wednesday captain. What's what's the view for this match day? Um, I think, again, it's kind of like, it's the same as match day four, where you have the opportunity to go really punty, uh, um, except from, obviously, a lot of people went with Haaland for the first one. But when Leipzig played Man City last time, it was Foden, Alvarez and Doku who scored and it was 3-1. So Man City didn't keep a clean sheet. Um, But obviously they played each other in the round of 16 last year. It might be in the quarterfinals, can't remember. But we remember Haaland's five-goal performance uh, against this team. Um, It it just, we don't know about Haaland. So you could punt on Haaland's minutes if you still have him. I wouldn't transfer him out just yet. Um, he's probably a match day six transfer, which he didn't play last season. Uh, he was actually rested for that, and Alvarez was the starting striker. And De Bruyne will be back by then as well. So we'll kind of see how that goes. But you could punt on Haaland's minutes. He'll probably pay, play like 65, 60, um, knowing that they've got Tottenham on the weekend. And if Haaland scores great, you've done well in your captain, but if not, you've obviously got Kane or someone to fall back on on the Wednesday. Um, but obviously Mbappe playing against a really injured Newcastle team, I think, is a, a great opportunity. And he's uh, he's just, a, in my opinion, he's the best player in the world at the moment. Um, so I think you don't bet against him. Hmm. Well, I mean, yeah, I think the thing with this fixture is, of course, it is not at St. James' Park. And I think um, well, I mean, what I wanted to ask you about was what you felt the role, you know, the the kind of the hordes of the Geordies, <laughs> role that plays for Newcastle when you've got an injury crisis. Because you've gone from losing 2-0 away to Bournemouth to beating Chelsea 4-1, admittedly with a little bit of, you know, help from some cards, uh, which is not in any way to disparage the performance because it was still a good performance. But are we can we expect in the next couple of weeks, and I suppose this kind of actually has a bit of an FPL in, in sort of indication as well, implication as well obviously just hearing from yourself as a Newcastle fan I think is useful for people 
do you expect a almost chalk and cheese kind of comparison between home and away performances? I mean, again, PSG is different. <laughs> That's going to be a much harder opponent than you're going to face away in the Premier League. But um, I guess I, I find it interesting that you've, you've obviously just watched your team beat Chelsea 4-1 at home. And then a couple of days later, or thinking, hey, you know what, we we could be on a hide into nothing here away at PSG. Is is it purely a venue based thing? Like, what's the what's the thinking between home and away for Newcastle right now? Um, it's quite interesting because uh, obviously the loss to Bournemouth, like as you mentioned, the loss to Bournemouth two nil, but they beat uh, Man U three uh, nil in the cup, and then drew two two at the Wolves, and then drew two two to West Ham. I think the biggest thing is that they do leak goals away from home. Um, and by this track record, it seems to be two goals. So that's potentially two goals for Mbappe up for grabs. Um, but I do think that it is a massive advantage. And it's quite interesting as well that the owners, uh, after the performance against Chelsea, um, they tweeted about the fact that the, the fans need to do more, which is, is quite interesting. Um, and so they both of them mentioned that the, the fans need to be the 12th man and we need to match the intensity of, of the team and stuff like that, which is quite interesting. Because um, I think a few people who I've talked to who attend the matches, unfortunately I don't um, as often, they have said that kind of Paris Saint-Germain at home was like peak and it's just kind of went down since. And, and that goes into a different debate about the new kind of ticketing system. But... I think it is interesting. I wonder if they're just trying to rile the fans up again for Paris. Um, but it, it is interesting that maybe the, the fans, I wouldn't say are not doing enough, but maybe we're quiet for long periods where we're starting to get nervous. And, and the Paris Ultras, um, they took over Newcastle when they came to Newcastle. So the fact that we're going to have a stadium full of them is, uh, is going to be a really intense atmosphere and hopefully the Geordies can can sing the whole time and uh, match that intensity. And obviously I don't know how accurate the statements were in terms of how quiet they were, but I have heard that from a few people, especially against Dortmund. Yeah. I mean, I also wondered if it's uh, a response to uh, obviously in the, in the aftermath of the Bournemouth game where we saw Trippier kind of in some discussions, shall we say, with some fans, some fans who, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously just a casual onlooker who hasn't actually been to a Newcastle game in a very long time because <laughs> I'm a, I'm a Southerner. Um, and, um, I felt that was unfair. I felt that the, that the treatment of, from that core group of fans was unfair. I, I, I mean, I, from what I understand that, that, that feeling is not that widespread within the fan base, but I also wondered maybe if, um, a statement from the owners is just trying to, I don't know, nip any sort of negativity in the bud because you are experiencing a lot of injuries right now. And uh, I mean, again, you are almost a victim of your own success, right? Because you have gone from a team that was basically threatened with relegation pretty much every season for the past five years to very, very quickly in Champions League contention. Like you're now expected to compete for top four. You've beaten Paris Saint-Germain as well. So can that sometimes have uh, a negative effect uh, on the expectations of fans? So then when you're not winning games, I mean, I've been to so many games for other clubs where the home matches can be a poison chalice because if you're, if you're playing well, brilliant. But if you've played well and then all of a sudden in one game you struggle, 
that clashes with the fans' expectations. So then they go quiet because they don't. Re- there's nothing for them to feed off. Um, or perhaps they even, uh, people will be sick of me using this analogy, but I've seen it at lo- loads of grounds where if, if the pass goes sideways instead of forward, you can almost hear 50,000 people groan. And then sometimes that has a negative impact on, on the team. So I, I don't know, I just wonder if maybe that's an, an element of this this reported idea that the, the fan base is sort of almost sort of, it's it's declining from a peak <laughs> of, you know, very quick meteoric success. Yeah, the, um, I honestly think that that's a really, really valid point. Um, and I just think, like, I remember having a discussion with someone, like, last weekend, um, and they said that it's, it's, it's Newcastle's fault we're in this position. Um, but, like, we... Newcastle just did their job last season um, in terms of making every result count. We, we didn't expect Liverpool and... Chelsea and, and all that, all them teams to drop off. Um, so we we could only do what we could only beat who's in front of us. We can't control Liverpool's fixtures, um, and so if anything, it it it, um, it has been a rushed process. But I wouldn't say it's Newcastle's fault that we're rushed because we've just done our job um, and performed well. So um, I think it is interesting that we are in this predicament, especially because the, the amount of injuries that we have is, is probably because of fixture congestion um, and also rushing players back because of not being able to build that team. But also, I think it's it's quite... Um, it is, like, it's interesting in the fact that we didn't expect the Tonali situation at all. I don't, I don't know anyone who could have predicted that. So... Um, yeah, I think Newcastle away at Paris is going to be a really interesting match because they've got a few injuries as well in, in their midfield, and that's where the battle was won at St. James's Park, where we just overran their midfield because they played a 4-2-4 formation. So they only had two midfielders, and obviously we know that uh, Gimaresh and Joe Linton can be very full-on and very hands-on, literally. Um, so we, like, we know that they can be like that, and that'll be very interesting. Um when it comes to Paris, also knowing that Bruno Gimares has played there before and won there um, when he used to play in France. So um, the midfield is going to be a massive battle, but I think Paris Saint-Germain will learn from their mistakes and they're not going to play the same formation as what they did. Um, Yeah, it's going to be a really interesting match for sure. Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, and well... Uh, there'll be some fantasy investment as well, uh, I'm sure. Apologies to anyone who is here purely for the UCL fantasy uh, uh, stuff. It is not that. Fun. Any any Sunderland fans in the chat? Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, not just about what we just talked about, but also for that the Plymouth Argyle one two 0 against Sunderland on Saturday, which I, I definitely want to mention that. Um, <laughs> um, a rare moment when my football allegiances align with Aaron's. Um, let's let's move on to Wednesday uh, before we uh, start start talking about the championship in a minute, and then people really will tune out. Um, so yeah, the Wednesday games. Then this is where we'll find our fullback options in many cases. So we've got Galatasaray hosting Man United, Sevilla versus PSV, uh, Bayern Munich are hosting Copenhagen, Arsenal against Lens, Real Madrid against Napoli, Braga are hosting Union Berlin, Inter. Milan travel to Benfica and we've got Salzburg making the journey to Spain to face Real Sociedad. So, um, yeah, who are the, the fullback options? I mean, Harry Kane obviously is, is a clear standout. I mean, his goal scoring record in the Bundesliga this season is he's nuts. He's on course for something like 50 or 60 goals, isn't he? So, he obviously is a standout yeah. guy, really. 
and they play less games in the in the Premier League as well, which always makes their goal scoring uh, records even more impressive. Um, so I think Galatasaray versus Man United is going to be a really interesting match because that group, Man United are bottom, um, which I don't think a lot of people would have expected. So you probably expect Bayern Munich to beat Copenhagen, um, but Galatasaray at home, obviously they beat Man United in Old Trafford, so they've got the head-to-head advantage, so a draw cannot do for Man United. They have to come out and win, knowing that they've got Bayern Munich in the next match. Um, so they have to, all guns blazing, have to win this match, and I think that's going to be really, really interesting. But Galatasaray are a very, very good team. A lot of re- like players that we recognise Zaha is on is in great form, um. So from a from a just a Champions League football perspective, maybe not even fantasy implications because both these teams are, are quite hard to invest in. Um, that's going to be a great match. Sevilla PSV, I think it, uh, that, that's going to be tough. Sevilla aren't in great form, but PSV haven't performed well to their expectations either. But they should come through with that one. I think. If we can predict Bayern Munich's lineup, which uh, I mean, I've logged on to X uh, this morning, I can already see predicted lineups. Um, Kane, thankfully, is in all of them, but I don't think he'll play the full ninety, which I think is is interesting. Kane doesn't need the full ninety, but um, yeah, I I just think that's going to be a really interesting dynamic because Bayern Munich have already secured first place. They're the only team to have qualified and secured first place. Uh, but if we can get that lineup, um, like if you get players correctly and predict them correctly, I think there's a big opportunity for them to have um, some good scores here. Um, the biggest, obviously, ones, Real Madrid and Napoli. Um, Vinicius Jr. is injured, if for those that didn't hear that before. Um, I think Arsenal and Lon is protected. Yeah, my French accent isn't the best. Lons, Lons, I don't know. But Arsenal at home, obviously, um, a much better team. Uh, and Lons surprised them in France. So they have to win this match as well, which I do believe means Arsenal have to play a strong 11 in match day six at the same time because of these de- uh, defeat they had earlier. So that means Arsenal are quite safe to invest in as well. Um so Saka is a big target. I think that we should all be trying to get into our teams, especially if we have like a Leroy Sane or um a kind of like a Bayern Munich or maybe like a Phil Foden um that you are worried about their minutes. I think moving to Saka is a good transfer if you if you haven't got them in already, because in the two home games he's played so far, Saka, he's got eleven and fourteen point returns compared to the two in the three that he got in the away fixtures. So that just shows he's a, a very, very good player when it comes to home matches for a fantasy perspective, because obviously he's, he's a very good player all around. Um, but Inter, I think, are a nightmare to predict. And so there's, they've got a few injuries, which I didn't know about when I submitted my team. So I'll have to look into that as well. Yeah, injuries, injuries, injuries is the order of the uh, of the. I want to say I was about to say week, and then I was like, mm, no, month, and then I was like, actually, no, season. Just football. <laughs> yeah, just football <laughs> in general. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's a, we talked about you mentioned fixture congestion earlier on. I mean, 
I can't remember a time in my life when football was this congested. We've got the Club World Cup coming up in December and then next season or whenever it is, that's going to have 32 teams or something crazy. So, yeah, get used to injury flags. They're going to happen quite a lot. Football players, there's only so yeah, much. Yeah, and then you've got the for. Euros as well coming up. So these yeah, best players, these really good players, are not going to have a rest. No, exactly. Because they didn't even, I mean, they didn't even really get one in uh, in COVID because a lot of these things are backlogged because of COVID still in the sense that the... Uh, um, uh, well, well, not just COVID. We had obviously Qatar being at a different time, but we had we had the Euros delayed, and we had the World Cup at a weird time, and just like we haven't had like normal breaks in seasons for a long time. So uh, I, can't, I still can't believe there's another Euros coming up. It only seems like five minutes since I was getting covered in beer at Home Park when you know <laughs> we won that semi final. So it's very very strange sort of you know time. But yeah, lots of injuries. We're going we're to have lots of injuries uh, still ongoing, which is going to make life very difficult. And we'll come on to what the, that means for your particular teams in a minute. What I've put on the screen now is the season ticker uh, as it was uh, designed uh, earlier on in the uh, the preparation for the group stage uh, by uh, yeah, our good friend uh, Louis or Lewis or FPR Reactions, whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, some people call him dad, for example. We don't call him that. Um, <laughs> but yes, this is his uh, season ticker, which is really, really useful. Um Still a lot of red around teams like Napoli, Real Madrid, Benfica, Inter Milan, uh, Leipzig, Porto, for example. Despite them having had quite good fixtures across match day three and four, they're now in the red. Um, and then obviously the challenge now is that the teams at the top like Man City and Bayern Munich, their qualification is, is wrapped up. So, you know, can you trust these green fixtures? So the season ticker is getting kind of, I want to say messy, but in as I said, no disrespect to the person who designed it. It's more the fact that... Um, as predicted, the teams that had the nicest fixtures and the sort of best form, we can't trust anymore. So it's like, yeah, it, it does make it very difficult to know who's got the best value across match day five and six, especially actually as the comple- the complexion of match day six is very much going to be dictated by the complexion of match day five in that you could have some teams that underwhelm in match day five and therefore they're then match day six fixture becomes like kind of more uh, attractive to go for. On the flip side, a team could get a surprise win out of match day five that you weren't expecting to the extent that maybe match day six fixture becomes harder to invest in. So in terms of kind of constantly dealing with an evolving season ticker where um, not only are you assessing the quality of the, the opposition, you know, you're also assessing the kind of the meaningfulness of the fixture. We don't really have to deal with that very often in FPL. It's only really when we get to about game week 33, 34, and we start to have teams in inverted commas on the beach um, that we start bringing that into play. Um, I mean, I guess another question is, would you happily, you know, like own players who are playing against Bayern Munich and Man City in match day six? Like in your head, what's your best strategy for making sure that you're, the transfers that people are making now maximize match day five and six because it seems like getting the opportunity to do that to maximize both game get match days with the same player is quite hard right now. Yeah, I think you've got to look at um, both match day five and six as almost one match day. Um, so, who if you look at the group tables, I think is is going to be key. So, looking at all the different scenarios that can happen in each group. Um, so if Arsenal beat Lons, then you would say, yeah, they're top of the table and qualified. But they then have to face PSV, who um, realistically could could still cause them a challenge. Um, I think the best ones are, for example, the group of death, group E and F. Um, but other than that, you just can't really predict the others. 
uh, Group D is already sorted. Group C is already sorted. Uh, if Arsenal win, uh, that's already sorted. Um, and then it's kind of second, third and fourth place for uh, Group A. Um, and then that's what makes it hard to predict. So you're looking at potentially investing in the Group of Death and potentially Group E as well. Because um, they have... Looking at all the different scenarios, who still has stuff to play for in match day six? Um, or you could go really punty on the rotated players. So, for example, Man City's B team, um, and knowing that they're still strong enough to win, and you could uh, do that as well. So it's either two ways. You can bank on the premiums who are going to play both with stuff to play for, or go for some of these rotated players who don't get full league minutes and... Uh, hope that they get a return hmm. well in terms of the players that you have uh, had a look at in your team there's some of the players you've obviously talked about there and so what i've put on the screen is your at first your no hit match day five team um which uh, currently is uh Blaswich and sommer in goal bastoni cancello uh, henriks hakimi as the defenders you're keeping hold of with rico lewis uh, as a potential uh, transfer in kimmick bellingham uh, Sane, Gordon and Simons in the midfield uh, all unchanged and then uh, Jimenez of Feyenoord uh, Harry Kane and then Mbappe coming in up top for Vinicius Junior that's two transfers I think 0.3 in the bank that's your no hit team um, firstly <laughs> talk us through uh, how that may have changed in terms of injuries or may not have changed uh, and then yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Bastoni is definitely ruled out for okay. Inter. Um, he wasn't in the squad. He's going to miss um, the next week in Syria as well. Um, so Bastoni is not fit. So he potentially needs to be that transfer. Azpilicueta for Atletico Madrid is the one who's at there instead of Lewis. Um, and, and he's just, I brought him in as the cheaper Atletico Madrid defender and I've really been punished for not going premium uh, in the Atletico Madrid defence. Um he, he came on as a sub against Celtic and granted that could work in my favour for match day six if he is getting rotated, but it's it, it, I, I'm a bit done with him. <laughs> he's he's uh, he's ruined my trust, but Bastoni has to come out and Sane is not in any of the uh, predicted lineups. Um, Nabri did not play at all. He, um, they didn't make any substitutions on the weekend by Munich. Um, and Sane played the full 90. So Nabri was on the bench and so was Tell, who is a very good youngster, um, who I think is a striker on the game, which lets down his appeal. But um, but I think that they're going to play instead of Sane. So uh, that is an issue with mine. And obviously Mbappe, that would be Vinicius Jr. So he has to come out because Vinicius Jr. is out for months. Uh, according to his latest injury, so he has to come out because that's too expensive of a player just to sit on the bench. Um, and Mbappe has too high of a ceiling on both match days. Um, so yeah, that that's Sane and Bastoni in there that are injured. Um, and then I'm starting to look at Simons, Henriks, and Blaswich. I've got three Leipzig players against Man City. Um, <laughs> that's not great either. Yeah. Um, so. It's it's this kind of thinking that leads you into a spiral to pull the limitless. Um but the fixtures aren't great uh, in this 
in this. Like, there's not there's not like really really good fixtures to target. Um, so that's why I I know that Simon's Henrik's are definitely going to play, but I don't know if they're going to play in match day six. So that's why I'm hesitant to leave my limitless for then. So do you think that could potentially um, lead you into taking some hits this week? And we'll put your your hit draft on the screen, um, which obviously largely similar. Of course, this, uh, as Aaron's already mentioned, he sent me this on Sunday night before we had confirmation about Bastoni's injury, for example. So he's got um, uh, Patrick coming in um, for Lazio in place of Aspilicueta, but that may presumably switch to Bastoni. But in terms of the ch- changes elsewhere, it was Sane to Saka. And then we still got Vinicius to Mbappe. So, so the, the difference here really is uh, is, is Saka coming in for, for Sane uh, in midfield. That's a minus four. But as you've already mentioned, you may end up having to make other transfers as well with Bastoni. So yeah, talk us through this, this minus four draft and yeah, what might convince you to either go with it or not go with it and you know balancing off all the hits with each other. Yeah, so Patrick, I think, is a great option for anyone that does need to make a defensive transfer. Uh, Roman Noli, the starting centre-back for Lazio, is injured. Um, and so Patrick is four million. Um, and he's obviously, you get ball recoveries on this game as well. He's averaged about eight ball recoveries, which is an extra two points. Um, and one more ball recovery away from getting three extra points on top of his score. Um, I think Lazio could keep a clean sheet against Celtic. Um, obviously, that goes down the fact that Romanoli's not playing. Um, but Lazio are the favourites to win that. And plus, we can see the lineup before we have to finalise our team for that. So we can see if Patrick's definitely going to play. I think if we have to make um, if we have to make any transfers um, for like in defence, I think Patrick is potentially the one to go for. We'll know that he definitely plays, so you don't have to worry about rotation. Um, and it's against Celtic at home, so that I think that's a a good option. Uh, obviously the fact that Bastoni is injured, I might just do Bastoni to Rico Lewis instead of Aspilicueta to Patrick, and that way I can still have Saka and Mbappe. Um. I, think, I just think Saka's ceiling at home is just massive. He, he, it's Especially if he takes a penalty or if he's, we know he passes them off sometimes, but he's involved with a lot of what Arsenal do at home. And I think that's going to be massive because they have to win this match. Um, and then Mbappe, we've, we've already covered. So the reason I went for Rico Lewis is because he's played in uh, the last three Champions League matches. And in the last two um, he's averaged double digits um, and he got player of the match and then he scored in the other one as well. So as a 4.6 defender, his price is going to go up after the match day. That's how it works differently in the Champions League. But his price is going to go up after the match day uh, to potentially a 4.8 million defender, which is going to help you out in the knockouts. And he's probably going to play in match day six um, if because Pep likes to keep like a, almost like a Premier League team and a Champions League team um, and kind of identified that trend um, over the last few seasons. So I think Rico Lewis has a really good chance of playing. And sometimes he even plays in midfield as well um, if he has to arrest Rodri. So uh, that's the reason I'm really, I really want to try and get Lewis in my team if I can. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, he he looks he looks just great generally, and I think these next couple of Champions League games are perfect for him because he doesn't play every uh, Premier League game. I was just double checking uh, what his minutes in the yeah he's only played nineteen minutes in the last four uh, game weeks for uh, Man City in the Premier League. Uh, but we know he's fully capable of, of playing you know solid minutes in the Premier League and and doing well. Uh, did very well in the Premier League at the back end of last season, and so bearing in mind that we know that Guardiola likes to kind of. Um, push his players very gently from one kind of milestone to the next as he develops them. Um, him starting uh, Champions League games quite regularly. Also, you know, whispering it quietly that don't technically matter because they've already like kind of, you know, progressed. Um, is perfect for him. Gives him some experience of playing some European sides. Um, just helps kind of just keep, you know, keep developing him so that when he's ready to play games in the Premier League, he's got all of that experience under his belt. Obviously, recently called up for England as well. Very deserved. So, yeah, I do think he... Um, it with Man City, they're almost like the kind of ant- in the Champions League. It's like the antithesis of of Premier League kind of considerations, where you the players who are playing regularly in the Champions League are the ones you want to avoid, uh, probably in in FPL and vice versa. So um, yeah, it feels very weird to to be talking about Rico Lewis as a kind of nailed on um, player, but it's uh, yeah very exciting because uh, as we know, there's a lot of us uh, on Fantasy Football Scout who really enjoy Rico Lewis, especially um, Flapjack. So. Uh, Hopefully, if Flapjack's watching this one, he can he can be watching it with a big smile on his face because we talked up his favourite boy. Um, so, yeah, that is your current consideration uh, for uh, Match Day 5. And as you said, people really are going to be making their decisions right down to the deadline. So I'm guessing you want to just caveat it once more with the fact that this could all change by about 5pm UK time uh, on Tuesday, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, the I think the biggest thing as well is... Um, it's just trying to avoid the noise um, for those that do play. Like it, It's where people panic. Or, and, and I almost fell victim of that in the last match day. I almost pulled the limitless chip. Um, but I'm glad that I didn't um, because I think my team still did really well. Uh, it got similar points to everyone else, kind of around about the average. Uh, the only difference was not having Haaland. So, but I think the rest of my team did well. So... Try to avoid the noise of like the one hour before deadline panic because these, especially these two matches, um, Lazio, Celtic, and then Antwerp and Shakhtar, they're not the most exciting matches, so they shouldn't cause too much drama. Um, but just avoid the noise because people do panic and start to second guess themselves. So hopefully, this video helped in terms of help, <laughs> like kind of giving you a little bit of strategy, but. Just know that we're all kind of in the same boat in terms of guessing rotation, guessing which injury is actually genuine and which one isn't. Um, and this is where if if you take a risk in match day five and six and it pays off, you're in a very, very good position going into the knockouts mm. as our teams slowly mould into the same team yeah. as it gets closer to the final. Um, so th- it, it is an, like have fun with it because we're all in the same boat in terms of rotation. Try not to be too safe um, and just try and take the punt and that advice is mostly for me because I do the exact opposite. <laughs> I tell you what when you've given advice on some kind of video about how the game should be played because you know deep down in your heart that's what you need to do um, with the express purpose of making sure you hold yourself to that because if you start to wave you but like oh no I just told thousands of people on YouTube to do it this way I cannot do anything different so yeah I can totally understand that lay down that gauntlet for yourself 
as well as for everybody else. I completely agree with you about deadline stuff as well. I mean, it's a it's a big kind of obviously consideration FPL as well. Um, my view is, yeah, like whether or not that individual starts this game doesn't necessarily mean they're going to blank today. It doesn't mean they're not going to start next week. So yeah, try and stay the course. Uh, as much as you can with your players. So completely completely agree there. That's very applicable advice across all fantasy games, especially after um, the antics of Saturday in FPL, shall we say. I will say no more. You all know what I'm talking about. Um, <laughs> with that, a quick reminder, of course, uh, to uh, follow uh, at FantasyUCLPod on X, but also make sure you fan- uh, follow UCL Fantasy Pod on X as well. Make sure you listen to both podcasts ahead of Tuesday. Um, each, each of these different podcasts do different jobs, right? So you've got um, one of them has Ed on it, so you're going to laugh in that one and you get Dan's expertise diluted into something um, and then of course this one has less humour because we don't have Ed but a little bit more Newcastle uh, if that was even possible when we don't have Ed but of course we've got the other half of UCL Fantasy Pod in Aaron as well so again all of that fantastic detail from their own pod uh, is diluted into this and then of course if you want to go even deeper then you get to get rid of you get rid of Ed you get rid of me and you can just have Aaron and Dan who are the only ones who actually know what they're talking about then, yeah, UCL Fantasy Pod is the one for you. Hopefully that was as like, non-confusing as possible for people. <laughs> Um, I've never yeah. written down one time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, the best thing to do is just to follow both and just that you never have to remember which one's which. And that's the problem I have is <laughs> I have them both. So I just, I just, I've got Dan and Aaron and I've got the one with Ed on it, you know. There we go. Sorted. Just listen to both. So, yeah, um, you've got a couple of days in which to do it. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be planning for Match Day 6 sometime after that. But with that, we shall leave you fine, folks, to enjoy your preparation for Match Day 5. Uh, and we shall see you next time. Goodbye. <laughs>